0: Good morning, and welcome to Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. We're your hosts, Jill,
1: um, Steve, Dave. <laughs> and you, once again, you, the special guest star. Were you Craig. sure,
0: Steve? <laughs>
1: Wasn't sure if I was supposed to go next.
0: Mm. Yeah, we're
2: missing Gracia and Dad. So. Yeah,
0: we are. So I guess that throws us for a loop, but that's okay. They're off doing fun stuff, I guess. Well, Dad is sick. And that's fun. Gracia's celebrating her birthday with her dad this weekend, so. <laughs> Good times so um really quick we are not creative without gracia when it comes to drinks so we went back to the standard mimosa um which we think is a good breakfast drink anyway it's usually we have it on holidays but you know the boys are moving out so it's a holiday in itself <laughs>
3: <laughs> true that
0: um and just a reminder i make it with prosecco um, it's mostly Prosecco and then I color it with orange juice and float a shot of peach tree on top. That's how I make a mimosa and that's how I think it's good. I think?
3: Yeah, it's really good.
0: Good. Cool. All right. Well, we're doing a little, going a little quick today because we do have a busy day to get these kids the heck out of our house. So I'm going to get right to it. And speaking of houses, everyone here is lucky enough to be a homeowner. So remember how excited you were, like when you bought your first house or your second house, and
2: founded my torture room.
0: Yes, Dave does have a torture <laughs> room in his house. But imagine that, like, just go back in time if you if you are a homeowner to think about how exciting it was. You got your your dream house or the house that you love, and you finally closed on it. Um, and if you can keep that in your mind, then you'd be thinking about. What Derek brought us and his wife Maria must have been feeling when they moved into their dream home located at 657 Boulevard in West Westfield, New Jersey. Now, Westfield, New Jersey is a, um, I think it's ranked the number three safest community in the United States to live in. So it's a really nice location. And this happened to be a six bedroom home. Oh, wow. So it was absolutely their dream house. Um, so they were very excited to be moving into this house, um, and, and renovating it, making it their own <clears throat> as they were going. So, um, once they get there, though, they're about three days into renovations and Derek on day three has just finished painting one of the rooms and he goes outside to check the mail just to see if anything's come in yet. They've only closed three days ago. So who knows if there's even going to be any mail in there, but, There was um, a couple bills and a white card-shaped envelope. It was addressed in thick, chunky handwriting to the new owner. So uh, that's what it says on the outside of the envelope. And then when they opened it, uh, it was a typewritten letter. And the letter reads, Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard... Boulevard call to you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. I already see that you have flooded six fifty seven Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk 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 bad move. You don't want to make six fifty seven Boulevard unhappy. You have children. I have seen them. So far I think there are three that I have counted. Are there more on the way? Do you need to fill the house with young blood? I requested. Better for me. Was your old house too small for a growing family, or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and I will draw them to me. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I'm in one. Look out of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. Signed, The Watcher.
3: Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. Mm.
0: Yep. That that should
3: be like a movie or something.
0: Interestingly (laughs) enough, uh, Netflix does have the right to this story. So it's a little bit different of a crime that we normally cover because the crime in this case is stalking, Mm. right? And terrorizing as opposed to some kind of, you know, violent crime or murder or something like that. But just trying to imagine what it must have felt like to move into this $1.5 million dream home and on day three received a letter like that. So what the Broadduses do is they call the old owners of the home to see if they'd ever received anything like that, um, a letter like that, in the all the time that they'd lived there. And those old owners actually said about a week before moving out, they received a letter. But it was kind of like, you know, you've been great in the neighborhood, you were great in the house, whatever. It wasn't content that alarmed them or concerned them at all. So they just kind of threw it away. So so that was that. So they have nothing to go on. They're not sure what's going on and they're not sure how to proceed in their house, right? Because you would be nervous too if you got a letter like that.
2: Did they go to the police?
0: They do go to the police. So they go to the police pretty much right away after the first letter with um, the old owners of the house, too, just as sort of backup. And the police tell them, keep it quiet. Don't let anybody know, because if this is one of your neighbors... You know, like we won't be able to catch them before it gets out and they back yeah. off or what have sure. you. So they're told to keep everything quiet um, and just sort of go about their business. And the police will do random checks on the house or, you know, drive-bys, that kind of thing, um, to monitor it. Since this wasn't mailed through the post office either, it was put in their mm-hmm. mailbox with a handwritten envelope. Um So uh, just to go back about the couple a little bit, Maria was raised in Westfield, so she is from the area. She grew up just a few blocks down. um, And Derek grew up in Maine. So uh, they moved to Manhattan. Um, He is a senior vice president with a salary that was large enough to afford the uh, $1.3 million home. I misspoke about that. And I only bring this up because it's going to be Become important when we get to the suspects list of could they have afforded this home on their own um, or was this some kind of scam right um, so and they were in their 40s so they were a young couple with three children um, and they were pretty excited so
2: that's an interesting way to describe people in their 40s I consider myself young <laughs> yeah we might be getting old yeah. yeah I
0: guess so I guess so you're right um Okay, so after they go, uh, so they decide to stay in the house and to keep working on the renovations because they've just spent all this money on the house um, and they figure this is either like some kind of weird joke by a neighbor or some kid who's bored. You know, I think The Watcher was like a video game, too, at the time. Oh, a movie, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're like, "Maybe, maybe this is just, you know, bullshit or whatever, because, again, this town that they live in was obviously a fluent yeah. neighborhood, but it's the third safest community in all of the United States to live. So you're not expecting crime, you know, or anything like that. Um, so let's go. So <laughs> a few days later, after the first letter, Maria and Derek go to a barbecue across the street, welcoming them into the community. So chance to meet the neighbors, to socialize, to bring their kids uh there. And there was also another homeowner who'd moved in to a different house on the street, so it was like a little block party to welcome these two new um people to the area. I, uh, never,
3: I never got that when
1: I moved in. Damn.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I know. Neither did I.
0: Well, I don't think we did either.
1: Uh, no, what we got was actually the neighbor calling animal control and the police office. <laughs> that's
0: right. That's right. Because the dog's parked. <laughs>
1: so don't feel too rough, Steve. Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, so they're at this neighborhood um, block party. And they're nervous, to say the least. So Maria uh, recalls this as her her feeling very anxious to like know where her kids were the whole time and stuff like that. And she was worried that people were going to think that they were crazy because of course they couldn't say what was going on, but she's like, I feel like I looked like a, you know, crazy mom, psycho person. Um, and then as they're just going around and they're meeting the people in the neighborhood, you know, they're just trying to find out who their neighbors are in a social way, but also in a, could you be the crazy one way, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so again, um, It probably wasn't their most favorite uh, barbecue ever, but uh, they did get some information about a couple neighbors, and one of them in particular was the Langfords, who lived uh, right next to them. Um, And the Langfords, the mom was there in her 90s, and several of her adult children, all of which were in their 60s, lived with her. The family was weird. Um, That's what the other neighbors said. They weren't at the barbecue, so they were kind of... You know, talking shit. But they said that the family was weird but harmless. Um, and they they learned about one in particular, his name was Michael. He didn't work, he had a beard, and he was kind of like a Boo Radley character. So that's Who's how the Boo. neighborhood described him.
3: Who's Boo Radley?
0: Boo Radley from To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, okay. Like the the neighborly that. guy, right, who knows everything about everyone or floats yeah. around and yeah. is weird. Okay. That guy. <laughs> okay. So right then and there, Derek decides, okay, that must be them. Like, they're weird. They've been here forever, and they're weird and stuff like that. So, And it sounds like there might have been some suspicion that this Michael person was on the spectrum or, you know, something like that. So they kind of calm down, and they feel a little bit better deciding that that's who it was. Um, so... After a few, a few more weeks go by after the barbecue, there's no evidence um, or nothing like that. And nobody's admitting to doing it. And they haven't told anybody that it's that it's happening. So even though the broadises are like, I feel like my kids are being threatened. The police were like, mm, you're probably OK. And the broadises start kind of a fight with the police at that point. We're saying, well, probably isn't OK. right? And you as a parent might feel the same way, going like, Okay, well, what if somebody does break into my house and steal one of my kids or do something to Mm -hmm. them? Like, you know, you shouldn't drop this. Probably isn't okay. And then comes a second letter. Letter number two reads, Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy, and I've been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what's in the walls yet? In time, they will. I'm pleased to know your names now. Uh, And then it's the names of the children, so I'm not going to repeat them because Mm -hmm. we've mentioned their last names. Um, And the name of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. I saw your daughter with the easel on the porch. Is she the artist in the family? 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement, or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were there. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? (laughs) I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and the doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Bradis family." Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I'll be watching. The Watcher.
2: So why didn't they put in a camera like to see who was putting things into their mailbox?
0: So they actually do go ahead and install security cameras, but interestingly enough, and one of the things that they're criticized for is it doesn't catch the uh, mailbox. Hmm. They don't see it. Well, that is.
1: Kind of... <laughs> what was the purpose it's what like the at hell? their doors
0: and like surrounding their house but it doesn't get their mailbox and so I don't know like this is kind of a little picture of the house you guys mm-hmm. can see mm. like so I don't know if it's that the mailbox is so far away from that front door that that was why what year was this this is 2014. Oh, wow. Yeah, so That's
2: it's, I nice. mean, this is where you have technology. You don't even need to run wires. If you really wanted to put a camera, like, in a tree, you could. Um, you know, my neighbor has cameras so that, and he can actually see not only his house, or and they turn on if anybody walks on his property. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, and he can see every square inch of his property, and he can actually see onto my property because somebody banged on my door last week and then just ran off. So, (laughs) yeah, I think it was just a harmless prank, but it's like if that happened again, I'd probably install security cameras so I can see exactly who's coming in.
0: Yeah, we have one in the gym, so Mm -hmm. that's what we were looking at this morning is... It's pretty sensitive because if, like, the sun or headlights drive past, it can turn on and off for motion. But, yep. yeah, it lets us know whenever there's motion in there.
2: And, yeah, and it puts everything online. So even if somebody damages the camera, it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. the pictures are online and they can be converted to HD content, too. So
1: I had, I had the same immediate question as you did, Dave. But now that I think about it, if you had a motion camera on the mailbox and cars are going by all the time it would drive you mental if you had the uh, that's you true do every time but you could certainly you know when you see the letter and it came in like yesterday you can go back and review yesterday and,
2: y- yeah, yeah and you can have it so it doesn't actually alert you like you can set some of them up so you know because raccoons will set them off too you know and skunks or whatever and you know but, yeah So, I mean, you know, you can have just your front door alert you, but any other ones, they, because they don't use up any, which makes it easier. They don't film when there's nothing going on to film, but then they turn on when somebody comes near it. Yeah,
0: exactly. So my mind is
1: officially blown. Why they would set up cameras and not hit the mailbox is just amazing.
0: Yeah, it does just say um, webcams. And Derek said that he became obsessed with his webcams, and he would spend nights crouched in the dark watching to see if anybody was watching the house at close range. So it does sound like... um, They were a little bit crazy, but they felt like the cops weren't investigating anymore. And now they feel, after letter number two in particular, Mm. that their children are being directly threatened. And this person knows their kids' names, which Mm. is probably because they took them to the barbecue. But they don't know if it's because they took them to the barbecue or because this person watching them could hear them talk. Um, And I guess that little girl's easel where she was painting was out on this porch, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff. So they're, like, really freaked out to, to St. Louis.
3: Creepy-ass letter.
0: It is sure. so, so creepy. um, Yeah, and so the husband, um, Derek, even goes as far as making a map of all of the, like, close proximity neighbors and when they moved in and does discover that these Langfords were the only ones there since the 60s and that they have direct sight lines to, because they're a neighbor, to mm. their house. So mm. I think he, he becomes pretty convinced it's this guy. Um But there's not much evidence that way. Um. Well,
2: you could. I mean, because they haven't told anybody yet, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you could put up like a really tall fence in between to kind of, you know, see if you can provoke something and basically let them know, hey, I know who you are.
0: Yeah, so they didn't think of anything like that. Um, but they did do some wild stuff. So they inhi- first they hired a private investigator to stalk the entire neighborhood and run background checks on the entire Langford family to see if it was um, you know if they had anything creepy or mm-hmm. probably pedophile like in their history, but they didn't. Nothing comes up on the family. Um, Derek reaches out to the FBI agent who was the subject of Silence of the Lambs. Clary Starling, and asks her for help um, because they were on a board of trustees together, so they were somewhat friendly. They also hire Robert Leon, another FBI agent, to conduct a threat assessment to know, you know, like, if there's really a risk there or if this is just, again, some kind of crazy things. Um, They recognize these FBI agents in their search, say that they recognize um, some... old fashionedness you know like you can hear in the way that the letters are mm-hmm. written it doesn't sound like something maybe that we would write or that our kids would write today that there yeah, was the vernacular yeah it was a little bit older um, and the envelope was addressed to M/m bratus and that salutation um, also <laughs> included the day's weather so like warm and humid or sunny and cool for a summer day and that those sentences had spaces in between them so they were kind of like, You know, this is different. That's not how you address an envelope usually, right? So um, they thought the person was different, but that was really all that they came up with. Um, But because of some of these differences, they also thought maybe whoever's doing this is either a voracious reader or a writer, successful or not. Um,
3: Could be a writer. My God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm um, wondering if, like, Steve, you brought it up, there was a movie called The Watcher starring Keanu Reeves who was a serial killer, I guess, stalking some victims trying to get them to catch I didn't catch even him. know it was. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess it was. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so they think, you know, like, could this writer be inspired by, mm-hmm. you know, that movie or something like that? Is it a writer? Is it just a reader? You know, who is it? What could it be? So... Um, they also concluded that they didn't think it was likely for the walker, the, sorry, the watcher to do anything to the kids. Um, but the letters had enough typos and errors that it kind of made them worry that there was some kind of like, you know, craziness going on, too, in the background. And so that they were a little, little concerned. Um, one thing that they pointed out was, as a mistake, was that the first letter was dated Tuesday, June 4th. But June 4th was a Wednesday. So, like, that was kind of a
2: yeah.
0: big, big error. Um, and they also felt there was seething anger directed at wealthy people in particular. And so if you had been moved, if you had moved into the house as the Langfords in, like, the 60s, you probably were not as wealthy as sure. somebody who just bought a house for $1.3 mm-hmm. you know, and is moving in. So they felt like there was all, all those things. Um, going on so after this um goes on they uh the fbi people recommend trying to find out who former housekeepers were um just to see if maybe like it because they didn't like rich people maybe it was somebody who was like a caretaker in the house yeah um you know and that 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 was a what was maybe causing it so um there's all this stuff going on and they can't really get the police to do anything. So they're hiring their own FBI and, um, the Broadduses decide that what they're going to do is send a letter to the Langfords announcing plans to rip down the house, Mm. hoping that if the watcher is there, they'll freak out and then they'll know. (laughs) Um, but there's no response whatsoever. The detectives in the town finally bring in Michael Langford for an interview, but they get absolutely nowhere. They actually end up bringing him in twice during this period of time, but nothing comes up, and his sister, Abby, accuses the police of harassing their family, Um, so... Like, they're they're all kind of stumped, right? They're not supposed Mm -hmm. to be saying what's going on, but they're getting all these letters, so they're bringing in their, you know, their neighbors, and their neighbors are starting to feel harassed, and it's just, like, a really tense situation for two neighbors um, going through it. And obviously the family is also, you know, going through total stress. Um, They're really, like freaking out you know they feel overwhelmed and all of these things so they decide not to move in basically hmm. um so they've done all this construction work and they don't feel it's safe for their kids so they've invested more than a hundred thousand dollars by the way in updates to the house at this point Bravo. yeah but they're going to walk away they're going to decide not to move in and that's when letter three comes So letter three says, where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. Are you one of those Hoboken transplants who are ruining Westfield? The house is crying from all of the pain it's going through. You've changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. "'The house was full of life and young blood. "'Then it got so old, and so did my father. "'But he kept watching until the day he died. "'And now I watch, and I wait for the day "'when the young blood will be mine again. "'657 Boulevard is turning on me. "'It is coming after me, and I don't understand why. "'What spell did you cast on it? "'It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. "'I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. "'It is not in charge of me.' I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and leave it alone. The Watcher.
2: So it sounds like he was a friend of somebody who lived there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, or like if uh, a maid and their child, maybe they brought the kid to work when they were cleaning the house or something. Because this was always a large house. It's six bedrooms, so probably was always somewhat for wealthy people. But yeah, so they're in this completely creepy, crazy situation. They're feeling like they can't get the um, police to help them at all. And they've decided that they're definitely not moving in. Um, Mm -hmm. And in all of their, you know, investigation of the neighborhood and all their neighbors, they did determine there were two, you know, sex offenders, registered sex offenders in the area. But Mm -hmm. I don't think that they think that these people don't ever come forward as a, Mm -hmm. you know, as a suspect or anything like that. Um, So, um, wait a minute. Okay, so there was also a couple that lived behind the Broaddus' house, um, and they kept a pair of lawn chairs out in the yard, basically, and the one of the painters or the contractors doing work felt like the lawn chairs were, like, way too close to the property line. Like, this is weird, because you can see kind of in this picture, it's a not, like, you know, on top of each other kind of partner area. And um, this painter gentleman, whose name is Bill Woodward, he basically says, one day I was looking out the window and I saw this older guy sitting in one of the chairs. He wasn't facing his house. He was facing the Broaddus'. So, like, it's like this creepy, weird neighborhood mm. and everybody's starting to get creeped out. And it could be that, um, you know, at this point in time, you're all creeped out because you know this is all going on and you're just, like, suspicious mm. of everyone and everything. Like, that could have just been somebody... I don't want to say sunbathing because I don't know if old guys do that, but huh. you know, like sitting out in your yard, right, facing away from the sun or something like mm. that. Um, so anyway, we get to the end of twenty fourteen um, with no no investigation tells them who's doing it. Um, they have no no digital trail. There's no fingerprints. There's no way to place someone at the scene of the of a crime because there really isn't a crime here. Um, and they felt like, you know, these letters could be could be coming in from anywhere. So, basically, the cops are going to keep an eye on the house, but that's about it, and there's not much they can do. Um, some of the renovations, including a new alarm system, got finished, um, but still the Broaduses were like, they, they just couldn't, they felt like they would never let their kids outside, you know, they could never do anything, so... Um, they just again. They decide not to move in. Um, so what they they do a couple things. So the first thing that they do is they propose that this very large house really be taken down and that they build two different houses on the site. They felt that you know it's a large enough yard and this would make them feel comfortable. But the way that the houses would be split and the new houses would be drawn up and built, it was um, like the HOA had like rules about how big the house had to be. And they were three feet over with these new specs. Mm-hmm. And so it goes to the neighborhood planning board and stuff like that. And they reject it. So yeah. they basically say, you can't rip this house down um, and build two new houses or anything like that because we're not going to sign off on it. So the Braddyses get pissed, right? Because they're like, oh, what the fuck, you know, like people are harassing us and there's nothing we can do about it. And we don't know what to do. So in all of his like wild um kind of insanity Derek Broaddus sends letters out to the neighborhood signed the friends of the Broaddus's and it's kind of threatening that all the neighbors saying basically what the fuck you know like three feet really you douchebags like let yeah. us build our house yeah. like this is crazy
1: and you know what else is I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that the previous year somebody had been granted a variance that was actually bigger than that quite a lot larger yeah. than
0: that yeah So now they feel like it's like the whole neighborhood's at them or coming after them because, again, like Craig said, there was a variance granted of, I think it was like 15 feet. Like it was a lot. And this is just three feet. And the community knocks it down. But it is a mistake for Derek to send out letters that are threatening, Mm. you know, to the neighbors and sign them the friends of the Broaddus's. It's a mistake for a couple reasons. One, it's just not the right thing to do, but two, it suddenly changes the suspect list too, and it adds the Bradises on as suspects of sure. the watcher yeah, they're, altogether. They're,
2: so, it's a hoax.
0: Yeah, exactly. So then they start saying, "Well, maybe this is a hoax." So that because they got in over their head financially, and you know they need a way out. But again, hmm. they had money; they had a lot of money. So it doesn't seem like like that could be it um but yeah so mm, it sounds so.
3: like they're doubling down why not just cut their losses and just leave yeah or put it up for sale that's what i mean yeah. Yeah. so
0: they decide to try to sell the house about six months later they initially list it for a lot more than they paid um to reflect all of the renovations because remember they did about a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars in renovations at that time um but there were a lot of rumors about why the house sat empty and like they were getting feedback, like people loved the house, but there were so many ups, unsubstantiated rumors flying around about a sexual predator in the area or something yeah. like that, right? Because people talk, small town talk. Um, so they're not they're not able to sell the house, at least at more than what they paid for it. Um, so they were trying to. Um, like be upfront too with people who might have been interested in buying their house so that it couldn't come back on them either so they really had no choice but it comes to, with
2: the stock. yeah exactly
0: <laughs> they have no no choice
3: a really nice neighbor
0: yeah who likes and to... <laughs> a really nice neighbor who'll keep an eye on your kids for you yeah. <laughs> so um so they do eventually get several bids on the house, but they were like so far below asking price that the Broadduses are like, "What the fuck?" You know, we paid one point three, we invested a hundred k into it, like we can't afford to take you know these really low ball bids, and they weren't really ready to do that um, at that time. So they did lower the price a little, but they they still didn't didn't end up selling the house. Um, so. Derek and Maria were like, okay, you know, what should we do? So they sue the, o- the owners that they bought the house from. That was the next action that they took for damages, basically, for saying that they didn't disclose the fact that they had received a letter about a week before. And these old owners were, like, really nice people. They were retired scientists. Um, they did say that they remembered the letter, but there wasn't anything threatening, and it was the only one they'd gotten in the entire time they'd lived there. So they, they said that they never felt watched. Um, and obviously the lawsuit yeah. gets thrown out, right, because it's kind of bullshit. But then the Woods, who were the former owners, they, they come on and they they try to help, you know, because they said that this house was – they never even locked their doors. They're like, this is such a safe neighborhood. We always mm-hmm. felt great there. Um, but they, they do sign on to the Broadduses to, to try to help them search and figure out who could possibly be doing this. Um, so
3: on, I'm just it'd be funny if it was one of their kids <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be uh quite funny so but uh i think their kids were too young for that you know like,
3: like they really didn't want to move this is their way of not moving <laughs> exactly
0: so after um they sue to these people and that gets thrown mm-hmm. out that's when the Today Show ends up picking up on it because the case gets thrown out and so it makes like their weird news of creepy yeah. stories, right? So this is when publicity starts to flood in too. And they, they start to um, check it out and think this is a really creepy, fun story, which is kind of what I thought when I heard it too um, and why I wanted to cover it. And the story goes viral. News trucks get camped out all over this quiet <laughs> neighborhood street. A uh, local reporter sets up a lawn chair to, to conduct his own watch. Um, the Broadduses get more than 300 media requests, um, but they don't speak publicly about it, and they do not allow their children to be interviewed or videoed or anything like that. Um, they really try to locate. Uh, sorry, lower the intense lens on them mm-hmm. basically and they decide to move out of Westfield altogether because remember they had yeah. another house there um, they move into a family friend's beach house and um, they try to find peace which is eludes them for quite a while for a number of reasons but that's kind of what they do um, they have to explain to their kids they talk about how they explain to their kids like why they can't move into their new house and all those things and so these poor This poor couple is just, like, crazy. Um, So they basically rent out their house. And so in the rental, they have this one couple sign a uh, four-year lease or something like that, some long-term lease. But they say, if you get another letter, we'll let you out of the lease. So they find somebody who's willing to, like, roll the dice, I guess, with their own safety um, and move into the house. So then... That comes the next letter. So letter number four. Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. You wonder who the Watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea the watcher who, who the Watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and you are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched, you, I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of 657 Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders all hail the watcher maybe a car accident maybe a fire maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day after day maybe the mysterious death of a pet loved ones suddenly die planes and cars and bicycles crash bones break no signature that time so that's the end of that letter that he writes them so that's the fourth letter so obviously the renters are like fuck this shit (laughs) and they move out um leaving these poor people again with this huge financial debt with no one that they can sell the house to they can't um knock it down and rebuild it the community prevented that from happening um and they can't figure out who this guy was so for a while they're they're really focused on this, this one group of people, the Langfords, um, but the police do call in one other suspect, which was a 21-year-old 20 year kid um, who was like a video game player, and um, they think it might be him, because they see him parked outside the house, kind of watching it for a little while, and he plays a game called The Watcher, so they're like, oh, must be this guy, we'll bring him in. Um, but he's smarter than they are because they don't have enough evidence for the kid to go in. So he never shows up for his interview or anything like that. So to this day, it could be him. Um, but they don't really know. And the um, they call in the, gr- the guy's girlfriend. And she's like, yeah, maybe. Maybe it could have been him. But that's as far as they ever get um, with that particular guy. So, The third set of, or we kind of already talked about how the Broadduses themselves become suspects. And the idea is that, you know, they bought the house and then had immediate buyer's remorse. And so they needed a way to get out of it. And so they thought that this creepy letter writing thing, according to people, um, would be take off in the press and get them like a show deal and all that stuff. So to me, that seems like. Kind of nuts because, like, it's got to be a series of incredible events that gets you a show deal. But they did obviously get one. However, (laughs) they were offered um, to tell their story several times and always turned it down. And as a matter of fact, the Netflix project about this house, I don't think, involves them whatsoever. So they never wanted to take any money for this or sell the rights to a movie deal or anything like that. Um, That was never, seems like never what they were into to begin with
1: yeah that just seems like somebody wants to point the finger at them and desperately reaches out to find something that's not completely ludicrous as an explanation Hmm. and falls short because that just sounds completely stupid
0: yeah i know that's what i thought too and one of the things that they said to them was well your first house was three hundred thousand, and now you're moving into this 1.3 million dollar house but derek was like fuck you guys, this is America. You can get a mortgage for anything around here. You know, but also Mm -hmm. he was a VP of a company making a somewhat substantial salary. So, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, most people's second home is worth more than their first. I mean, it's kind of one of the reasons you buy a second home. Yeah. Um, I mean, not necessarily always that much more, but, you know, I mean, if you... Buy a $300,000 home, depending on what home prices do. You might end up selling it for, you know, five or six. You yeah. Know?
1: I would also like to point out, you spend $1.3 on a house. You have buyers remorse, you feel like it's too much. So then you throw $100,000 into
2: renovations. Yeah. That
1: just doesn't make any
2: sense.
0: It doesn't make any sense, yeah. Yeah, and attractive. without the
2: story, you could probably have sold it.
1: Yeah, and made a so, profit.
2: Yeah, I mean... So, it's Fair. it doesn't sound like yeah. that was their only way out. Like, you can sell a house that you just bought.
1: Yeah, so. just shame on the morons that came up with that story because <laughs> that's just pathetic.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of crap, too. And, um, I mean, it was like, I, the guy's right. Like, you can get a mortgage for anything right now, you know. But, per Dave's point, when we moved from our first house to our second house, our mortgage was bigger. I'm sure yours was, too, after your first house to your second house you know that's just a part of how it goes and they wanted to live in this neighborhood because she grew up there right around the corner and felt safe and felt like you know this is where they wanted to be they were already living there too so it wasn't like i don't know like they were moving cross-country or something weird they were really trying to just move into their dream home in their dream area you know uh
1: This watcher really does sound like someone who's a total loser, and I don't think that at the age of 21 you've screwed your head up enough to to do this.
2: Yeah, I don't think it was the kid. I think it's got to be some some older person that probably was in some sort of relationship with the person that lived there at some point and just really doesn't have the faculties to let go of certain things. Because his talking about being in the house... Like, I doubt he would bring that up if he actually lived there, because you can find out the names of anybody who's lived in your house, even if they were a child. I mean, if I wanted to research my house, which has been around since the 1800s, I could find the names of the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not hard. You know, you could find out who lives somewhere. Yeah. So it's got to be somebody who visited the house.
0: Yeah, you would think. So, something. Did they
2: ever check behind the walls?
0: Um, I think that in part of their construction, they did, but there was nothing there. Yeah. You know, like you'd think maybe there was like a dead body. It
2: or... could be schizophrenia, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Which um. is part of why they thought maybe it was that Michael Langdon, because like I said, they thought he was somehow on the spectrum, but mm. he could have been schizophrenic. Um, yeah. But they couldn't prove that.
2: Yeah, I mean, because it's it's very obsessive behavior the borderline personality disorder you might see that too yeah and if you have those things you might have trouble getting holding a job
0: yeah exactly
2: especially if you're not being treated yeah so So
3: they never found out who it was
0: no and so what ends up happening to the broadises is they have to borrow money from friends to buy another house And because they don't have any money. And they do it under an LLC to keep their new home location private so that, you know, if this watcher was obsessed with their family, not necessarily the house, that, you know, they couldn't find them. So the Broadduses have done that. They do have a tenant in the house now who lives there, um, but you know they're basically going to end up going bankrupt over this because the rent that they're collecting apparently doesn't cover the mortgage even. Mm. Um, but they obviously they they don't really have any choice. However, since that fourth letter, which was filled with like anger and you know mm. calling the the Maria like a wench and all that, there's not been another letter since mm. either. So as wildly as it starts, it completely ends. Huh.
2: Did they look at the obituaries, a recent (laughs) obituary, like, who died?
0: Yeah.
2: Um, That might give you a clue.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and it could be somebody that they're just not thinking of. Yeah, yeah, altogether. Because it doesn't seem like it's that next-door neighbor. But it's got to be somebody that's close enough to see them and hear what's going on. So That's weird. Super weird. Mm. But I kind of liked the story because I thought it was a little fun, a little bit more supernatural. Mm. Um, and stalking is clearly a crime. I mean, this yeah, impacted yeah. Yeah. these poor people. Yeah, if you
2: if you got caught doing a stalking like this, you would go to jail for a while. Yeah, you know I mean, mental yeah. note, stalking you, you, bad. Yeah, yeah. good, so. Steve. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, and I first I should give a shout out. I first heard this on. Um, the Generation Y podcast which is one of my favorite true crime mm. podcasts when i was like driving to ohio so i was listening to podcasts back to back and um they did a great cover of this too so it was really it's it's a f- interesting story it's an interesting crime um netflix does now have the rights so it'll be out soon in a limited series i think i saw mm. um you know with the, i think they've just finished up production at the close of 2021 so cool if, if you're interested I'm sure they'll throw out who they think did it, mm. or is responsible for it. But, but it, yeah,
3: it reminds me of um, <clears throat> the uh, the season of America American Horror Stories called um, The Roanoke. Mm. Um, I forget the name of the, the name of the season, but it was about a couple moved into a house. Um, they sort they're renovating, and then uh, they got I think letters also, and then people didn't like what they were doing, and but there, there was spirits in the house and stuff like that, um, or it was well, actually no. I don't want. Well, I don't want to spoil the season, but it's it was very similar. Like there was neighbors who didn't like what they were doing.
0: Oh, yeah, it's a fairly standard supernatural story that mm-hmm. you know, if you buy an older house and you mm-hmm. move in and you yeah, start sure. to renovate, that the spirits of the house. Will come forward. That's very common in ghost story and supernatural yeah. lore which is part of why I also liked it because I like those kind of stories. Like, they're fun. Yeah, That
1: would sound crazy to me except we looked at that house in Lowell that I'm sure was haunted. Positive, yeah. I had nightmares for like a week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there Glad was anybody. a house in Gardner that we went when we were looking for a house. It had like this huge beast. It was like, this has to be like a mafia house because it had this bee oven. Um, beehive oven that you could put like 10 bodies into it. (laughs) I mean, the thing, and it was right as you walked into the house, you'd be in the kitchen and there's this enormous oven there. I'm like, and then the realtor's like, do you want, guys want to go look upstairs? I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> not you at know, all.
1: We'd rather buy a house with a torture chamber in the basement. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Torture chamber, S and M rooms. Those are okay. Yeah. In fact, you should put them like you know, right on the have the real estate agent. This is their BDs. Yes.
0: Exactly. So that's, that's so. why you got the freezer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. I thought it was strange that it was going into the torture room. <laughs> I'm not going to ask any more questions. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Anyway, well, I hope you guys enjoyed a little bit of a lighter crime story today. A little bit fun. Um, well, fun for me, not fun for these poor broadest people. <laughs> yeah,
1: and they ended up selling that for nine fifty nine. Did they end up I selling loved, it? Yeah, My last notes were,
0: um, I guess I didn't get that whole thing, but thank you. So you Zillowed it because I, I didn't get that they'd sold it.
1: Uh, well, yeah, I presume that must have been them. Unless they went bankrupt and the bank sold it. But. Oh, yeah. That's true. Because that's where yes.
0: they were headed. Yeah, yeah. My my last notes. But I didn't think to check Zillow, actually. That's a good <laughs> wow.
3: source.
1: It's a shame we'll never find out who it was.
0: I know. Well, Someone. the
1: letter stopped. Maybe it's the new owners. Let me cast dispersions Ooh. for no good reason. <laughs>
0: no, that doesn't seem right either. Because they did try to sell it during the, oh, during true, the time, yeah. right? Yeah. But they yeah. couldn't get. They didn't want to lose that much money on it. So.
1: They only wanted to lose a half million. Huh.
0: Can you imagine? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My brain would be totally broken if I went through that.
0: Yeah, I know. But what choice do they have? Hmm. So, All right. Well, tune in next time. I think Dad's eventually going to do his story that we keep talking about. But I guess we have no idea. So. We're not. So. <laughs> next month, who knows? Next month, who knows? All right. Fun talking to you. Bye.
2: Peace out. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to us on this episode of Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite app so you don't miss an episode. You can also send us an email to Crime at gmail.com. Or follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime.
2: Or Twitter at CMCrime1. See you all next week.